I wonder, please, if you have your Bible with you this evening, if you would turn to the book of Acts, chapter 11. The 11th chapter of the book of the Acts, reading from verse 1, we will read through to verse 17. The book of the Acts, chapter 11, reading from verse 1. Acts chapter 11 and verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, is saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descend, as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered, and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the earth. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thy common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And, behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was, ascend from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, Nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Ascend to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? We end a reading there at that verse 17, knowing that God will add his blessing to this public reading of his own precious and holy word. The words of Acts chapter 11 and chapter 10 are among some of the most important for the history of the church. Called by God the Holy Spirit, to be a missionary to the Jew, the Apostle Peter 
appeared to be quite content uh, to work within the parameters of Judaism. But while he rested in the house of Simon the Tanner, he was gifted a remarkable vision that embedded itself uh, deep within the recesses of his heart. He saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and led down to the earth. Peter saw the sheet covered with all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and foils of the air. Then he heard a voice directing him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. But even though he was in a trance, he articulated his personal convictions. Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. However, the word that came from heaven was unequivocal. What God hath cleansed, that call not thy common. From that moment, things began to change in Peter's life as he engaged himself with the need to evangelize the Gentiles. To the hardened Jewish mind, this evangelistic opening was difficult to accept as is reflected in verse 2 of chapter 11. And when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. In rehearsing how God dealt with him, he puts to the people a principle in the form of a question that is applicable to all in this service tonight. In verse 17, at the end of his defense towards these contentious Jews, he said, What was I that I could withstand God? What was I that I could withstand God? On reflection, Peter was left in no doubt that God had been dealing with him in a way that he could neither control or influence, in that he was faced with a personal challenge. The Word of God records that there was an increasing number of men and women who were born again of the Holy Spirit at that time. Yet out of that number, Peter was the one who was chosen to do something that he did not want to do. And this is very often the case when God selects a certain individual to be his special instrument. Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah, and many others all struggled to overcome their own reluctance to commit to the will and to the word of God. But what were they that they could withstand God. Now, while this challenge was specific for Peter, it clearly broadens out to include those who are not saved. And that there may be some dear person in this service 
who is determined in heart that they will never be born again of God the Holy Spirit. That they will just simply not do something that they do not want to do. That is, they possess a natural determination to resist a message that exposes the true nature of the human heart. And that is not something that any of us are comfortable with. For in real terms, we do not want to discover our true selves. We would rather attempt to convince ourselves that we are spiritually superior to other people than to be described as a sinner travelling the road to a Christless hell and the mind of the unsaved considers that to be totally inappropriate. And that, in a few words, is the personal challenge we all have to face. Now, I suggest to you that although you are not as yet saved, you are not totally ignorant of this message. I am convinced that it is impossible for any of us uh, to ignore the facts uh, that daily confront us concerning the depravity, the perversity, and the corruption of the human heart. We, we see lives captured in the dreadful web of drugs. We observe poor souls who have surrendered their liberty to the bondage of alcoholism and we are aware of individuals who are imprisoned with passions that are mentally, morally, and emotionally destructive. But please do not conclude that these facts are presented to formulate a type of judgment that is void of compassion and that is empty of concern, for that is not the case. You and I will never know the blessings of God's salvation until we face up to this truth, that our hearts are deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. Who can know it? And therein lies the problem. The problem is this. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And that is why we are described in the Bible as lost, as undone, as unclean, as unregenerate, as without hope, as without Christ. We have neither the ability nor the capability to do anything personally about it. Uh, Peter had absolutely no intention in and of himself uh, to change the direction of his life. Uh, that is, until he was brought to appreciate in a most telling way that he was being personally challenged by God himself, leaving him with no other option only to cry out, What was I that I could withstand God? Now that is what we're praying for. 
that this night God will meet with you in such a way that you will be unable to withstand him. For Peter, there was also the issue of a prejudicial concern. He had allowed a prejudicial spirit to develop within his own heart. That, at the very best, it marginalized the Gentiles and at worst excluded them from his ministerial interests. With relative ease, that same spirit can enter any one of our lives. We all have the natural ability to build up our boundary walls and to be influenced by our own man-made restrictions. But what are we really saying? That Hindu man or woman cannot be reached with the gospel because they follow Hinduism? That Muslim man or woman could never be one to the Lord Jesus Christ because they adhere to Islam? That Roman Catholic man or woman could never possibly be saved because they embrace idolatry? That Protestant man or woman does not need to be considered with the same spiritual concern because they are Protestant? Such views make us the custodians of a prejudicial spirit for which we should be concerned. Some of us in the early days of our Christian life attended the cold man's mission on a Saturday night regularly. And Sammy Spence, the leader of the cold man's mission, in making the announcements on a regular basis, he would have referred to a Sunday night meeting in the Old Park Road part of Belfast. And invariably, when he was making the announcement, he would say, so-and-so is speaking tomorrow night at 8.30, and they're a converted Roman Catholic. I confess, I often wondered about that. Why do we speak of converted Roman Catholics and not speak of converted Protestants? We can carry a prejudicial spirit almost without knowing it. The reality is we're talking about converted sinners. This was a problem Peter faced. And it is the prejudicial view that some have, sadly, of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, that is our immediate cause for anxiety. For those who as yet are not found in Christ, it may come as a surprise that there are many different attitudes expressed towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Some are happy to speak of him as a good man, or even in terms of a social revolutionary. Others will select his words which compose what we know as the Sermon on the Mount and extol them as the standard for living. Indeed, there are those who would advocate the idea that this world would be a better place if we learned to turn the other cheek 
and seek to vanquish hatred. All this is good and honourable. I doubt if any person in this gathering would object to the overall principles which these ideals seek to promote. But I still contest that the majority of men and women living in this world at this present time are prejudicially disposed to the Lord Jesus Christ because of his death on the cross at Calvary. This, as I understand it, remains the greatest obstacle to men and women being converted to a saving faith in the Son of the living God. The thought of someone having to die for them and to shed his precious blood for the cleansing of their sin just does not make sense. They consider it as totally unnecessary. If I'm going to be saved, they argue, then I will go about it my way. I will do acts that are virtuous. I will speak beautiful words. I will give to the poor. Some of you might have observed that I have just quoted from the Quran. To do acts that are virtuous, to speak beautiful words, and to give to the poor. And they would be absolutely right. I say this with a broken heart. There are thousands of Northern Irish people, men and women, who seek to live out their lives in exactly the same way, hoping that it will ultimately lead to their salvation. This, my dear men and women, is acting in a prejudicial way against the one of whom the prophet spoke, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Remember, as Saul of Tarsus made his way along the Damascus Road, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the Lord's people, that the Lord Jesus Christ intervened, and he said something that is quite extraordinary when you think about it. He said to Saul, 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 why persecutest thy me? All along, the same Saul was motivated by a prejudicial spirit against the Savior of this world. He wanted to eradicate this message that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ did not say to Saul, 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 why are you persecuting my people? Why are you making my children to suffer? That's not what he said. 
And I'm sensitive tonight to the fact that there are those who would have a prejudicial spirit against the witness of the Free Presbyterian Church. I don't detect that it's as strong as it used to be. I wish it was stronger. There are some people who would suggest that the Free Presbyterians are building a wall in heaven because they think they'll be the only people there. That foolish talk is just prejudicial nonsense. But what is the problem? The problem is this. If I'm going to be saved, if anyone is going to be converted, then they must come to an end of themselves. They must accept that all their efforts and all their achievements and all their accomplishments will not bring them acceptance before a holy and a righteous God. It simply is not going to happen. So why should I, a creature of the dust, with a limited time on this earth, why should I withstand God? And that's what the unsaved are doing. I plead with you not to be influenced through a spirit of prejudice which will result in you not turning away from God. But listen carefully. But from God turning away from you. And that's the tragedy. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would show you the helplessness of your case. And that your resistance against God's will will immediately cease in your acceptance of what he has done for you. Those of us who have been very, very privileged and honoured to be in the ministry will always recollect with thanksgiving the first person that God enabled us to, to lead to himself. And in my ministry it was a dear man a man called Sergeant Bob Dodds, and some of you might know him. And Sergeant Dodds was stationed in the Moy in County Tyrone. Dr. John Douglas, he had a mission in that area. He attended that mission. He came under deep conviction. He came up to Belfast. He was stationed in Musgrave Street, police station. He lived in Tully Carnet, not that far from Sandown Road. He and his wife came to our little congregation, probably smaller than what's here tonight. And I recall as I stood at the door one evening, knowing that I would have identified everyone that had left because of the size of the congregation, I was aware that two people were still inside. 
I went back inside and there on one of the old wooden chairs that we had, this big sergeant in the RUC was shaking and weeping. And this is what he said. I have fought this for far too long. I want to be saved. And my immediate reaction in my youthfulness and in my weakness was, I'll get Dr. Paisley for you. And he said, no, just you show me from the Bible how I can be saved. Dear friend, unsaved, have you been fighting God for far too long? Because that's what you are doing. A personal challenge, a prejudicial concern, but then I notice a providential company. We read how that as Peter considered the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek thee. We, we should note that three was a common factor in Peter's life. He had denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. He was asked by the Lord Jesus Christ, Lovest thou me more than these three times? And the substance of this vision was reviewed three times, and now three men had been brought to the home of Simon the Tanner. In a particularly special way, Peter was being brought to a place where he had no more options to consider. He had fought it far too long. The word was, Arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, nothing doubting, for I have sent you. God's call to your life, dear unsaved one, is not open to negotiations. Graciously and mercifully, he ordains and orders the circumstance that may involve the use of providential company, but it most certainly will have his providential seal upon it. I will not question for one moment that this night has been providentially ordained. That God in his gracious sovereignty has brought together the circumstances that has permitted you to take note of this question. What was I that I could withstand God? He didn't say, who was I? What was I? The implication being that he recognised he was just dust. And that's how it is. 
The day will come if the Lord tarries when your body will be put into the grave, my body also, and it will become dust. So, putting it that way, what is dust? What quality does dust have that it should withstand God? It's time you came. It's time you threw down in your heart your arms of rebellion. Just one final thought. And that is we have a painful criticism here. His fellow believers back in Jerusalem when Peter returned contended with him and, and it would be foolish, if not deceptive, of a preacher to even suggest that to become a person in Christ is not to be contended against. There will be some who will contend with you and they may say, you'll never keep it. They, they may even qualify that and say, well, we'll give them a week or a month or maybe a couple of months but they'll soon go back to their old ways again. Let them talk as they please. Let them try to cover up their own jealousy and their own envy. But as for you, I trust the words that Peter brought to these people will be sufficient for you to testify to them. What was I that I could withstand God? There is a heaven. There is a hell. The sacrifice, the substitute, has been accepted by God on behalf of those who will believe. It's not complicated. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thy shalt be saved. Let me repeat the question. What was I that I could withstand God?